You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. in your sweaters today. We have some judges roaming around to find the best sweater for this service. Yeah, you came to church to be judged. How about that? (laughs) That's never happened before. Um, Anyway, wow. Thank you again for all of your help with the Northbrook. That was an incredible night, Wednesday night. For those of you who got to be there, what an incredible thing to experience. And those of you who shopped and helped pack and sort and all kinds of stuff, thank you so much. Um, We're in this Christmas series. We're actually going to wrap it up today. So if you've got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the back tables for you. And if you don't own one, then that's our gift to you. And uh, we want you to have that. I like Charlie Brown. That's one that I'm, I'm still glad they show on, on television every year um, because, you know, we kind of feel like uh, there's a lot of crowding around Christmas, and, and a lot of people thought that when we were going to preach Charlie Brown this weekend, we were going to be like railing against the commercialism and how bad society is, and that's just not what we're about. Here's what I've learned. It's easier to preach for Jesus than preach against everything else that that we hate because Jesus is greater than any of those other things. So why don't we pick the greater of the things to preach about, to talk about, to fall in love with instead of developing a dislike for other things? Because I believe that when Jesus changes our heart, a lot of those things begin to change. The other thing about Christmas that I love, and I used to be on the the bandwagon about, ah, the stores are starting so early because they just want to make money, and I used to be grumpy about it, and God really softened my heart towards it. Because here's what Christmas is. We have a loving, gracious, giving God, and we as his children get to reflect that to the world around us this time of year to be loving, gracious, giving people. And so I don't look at it so much as, as the commercialism, as my opportunity to give, and stuff's on sale when I give. So hey, I can give even more. Um, I can be more generous, and, and my, my dollar goes farther. I love that. But Charlie Brown's trying to make sense in all the noise. I mean, because we can get, honestly, we can get blinded. We just kind of get in this grind of life. You know, we just get in this routine, we, uh, and we get up, go to work, come home, do dinner, deal with the kids, go to bed, get up, do it again, and we look forward to the, that day off. Because for some some short semblance of time, that breaks that routine, breaks that grind. And, and life is just, it's just amazing how we can get in that grind and, and we just spend our time in there. And then we, at some point we look up, typically it's kind of in that moment of, of, of quiet in the grind and we start having some kind of reflection and we ask ourselves, is this all there is? Is this all there is to life? I mean, you mean, when you look at it, when your kids are young, if you've got young kids, let me encourage you. That's just a season. I've been through that season, and you start to think, man, this is just difficult because we get up, we go to work, we get the kids ready, they go to school, we come home, we're trying to do homework, we're trying to do dinner, we're trying to get quality family time, we're trying to have a family and be a family and be together, then we go to bed and we get up and we do it all over again. And you just get in this grind, you just think, is this all there is to my life? And it's amazing how, how little breaks kind of bring some frustration into that grind, but Christmas is something that really can bring a frustration into that daily grind because it's a break from the normal. It's a break from the routine of our, our year, of our life. And, and honestly, there can be some frustration that happens around Christmas because when you start wondering, is this all there really is? Christmas is a time that can remind us of some things that, are, that we're really trying to hide from in our grind. That Christmas can be a lonely time for a lot of people. 
And it's one of those things that, that, that it becomes a, a stark reminder of singleness or loneliness. Um, it can be a reminder or a frustration that, hey, throughout the year, man, we're just really budgeting just to stay alive, just to keep our grind going. And now Christmas comes and it, it throws this wrench in everything and I just don't know how we can do it. So Christmas brings a frustration about, hey, money's tight and now we've got to figure out all these other things because the kids want stuff and, and we're going to do Christmas. And how do we do Christmas? Christmas. And it starts to bring in this frustration in the grind, and we get into this, this mentality of, is this all there is to life? Is this, is this just the routine that we just continue to go through? And what I love about Christmas is it's God's answer, and the Christmas story proves that God can break through the frustration and break through the mundane and break through the grind and break through the routines that we find our, honestly, we find our comfort in. I mean, it can be a terrible routine, but we still find our comfort in it. I mean, to give you some context of what's going on in the nation of Israel for Luke chapter two, it is the nation of Israel has been waiting on their Messiah. We're 700 years beyond a prophecy that, that the Messiah would come. And the prophet Isaiah talks about Emmanuel, God with us. The government will be on his shoulders. Think about this. The nation of Israel was under oppression from the Roman government. And they had this semblance of peace called the Pax Romana. It's called Roman peace. And we know this, that you cannot legislate peace. You can't legislate that there will be peace between us because what you're trying to do is you're trying to legally handle issues of the heart. It's just like in our, our current society, you can't legislate love. It has to be a product of the heart. And you've got the nation of Israel sitting in, in bondage and under captivity and oppression from the Roman rule. And they start to think, is this, is this all there is, God? I mean, we're your chosen people. You, you've brought us into captivity. You've brought us out of captivity. You've brought us into captivity and out of captivity. And they, they start to wonder, is this all there is? And by the way, this, this, this moment in human history with the birth of Christ was the ending of a period of over 400 years of God not speaking at all. There was no word from the prophets, and they start, so they start to think, think is, is, this, is this really it? Is this the existence of the nation of Israel? Is this what this life pursuing a holy God is all about? And we see this, this routine or this grind get broken on that Christmas night. And I hope as we read through this story that, that God kind of illuminates some different things and some new things for you as we, as we read through it. And Luke chapter two, verse eight says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Let me explain to you. Um, every detail in this story is important. Shepherds, why shepherds? I mean, shepherds were considered unclean. They weren't allowed to enter the temple. They were ceremonially unclean. They lived in the field. I mean, this wasn't just a, hey, I've got to get up at 4 a.m. and go to the field and work and be a shepherd. They lived in the field with the sheep. A lot of these men would not be, with any, be from any family of prominence. Some of, the, some of the shepherds might be from a wealthy family, but they were selected to be in the field. Like, okay, son, here's your job. You go live with the sheep. So it wasn't that, as though they were living in, in some kind of extravagance and then coming to the field often. They were living in the field. It says they were in the flock. They were in the field by night. So by day, they get up. 
They lead the sheep to green grass so they can feed, so the sheep can grow, so then they can get the sheep to market, whether it be for the meat, for the wool, or for the lambs, for the temple. So there were sacrificial lambs that they were raising, and so they just get up, they do this, they move the sheep around throughout the day, and at night they have to protect the sheep, so they have to trade who's at watch, who's standing guard over the sheep. So they sit there and they watch the sheep. They're watching for predators. And so they, they can get it and they get up the next day and they do it again. So for them, there really is no break in that routine. And they can really start to think, is this all there is? Is this all there is to life? And then God begins to break that silence. He breaks that routine. It says, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. What, I, what I've learned about our routine and when God interrupts it, it's, it's a reminder that that. It's not our plan, it's God's plan. See, we can often look at, a, at an interruption as a frustration, but when God interrupts the routine, he's showing us he's got his plan. His plan is in action. Isn't it amazing? I said it earlier, we can find comfort in our routine. And anything that kind of pulls us out of that comfort begins to, to jack with our system. I mean, this angel appears, breaks the routine, and they respond in fear. I would probably respond in fear too because you think, okay, this is an angel of the Lord. What is, what is this angel about to say? And he says, don't be afraid, verse 10. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So this announcement that happens, this, this angel comes down and says, hey, don't be afraid, I've got good news. Because a lot of times when we see an announcement coming, I mean, this is an incredible announcement. It got the shepherd's attention. Okay, there's an angel, God's getting ready to say something, what is he about to say? Most of us, our mind goes to the negative when somebody's getting ready to make an announcement. Several weeks ago, I, I ran into a guy in the lobby after one of the services and said, hey, I really wanna get together with you this week. Um, let me get Jamie to schedule some time with us and let's sit down and get together. So I show up for the meeting and he's nervous. I mean, he's like, he's fidgety. He's just kind of like, what's going on? And I, so I start thinking, I start praying. I was like, okay, God, um, is there something going on in his life that, that I need to know about? I mean, is he gonna talk about it? Are we gonna get there? Is there ministry that needs to happen? I just wanted to catch up with the guy. And about 10 minutes into the meeting, he goes, Matt, I gotta tell you, I was nervous about today. So why are you nervous? He goes, I thought I was in trouble. I thought you were gonna tell, I mean, I, I mean he, had, he had spent three days building up all this negative stuff. But by the time he got to the table at the meeting, he thought I was gonna tell him he was worthless and he had to leave the church. I'm like, no, man, I just wanted to hang out. But isn't it, isn't it funny how we can build up these things? There's an announcement coming Monday at work. Oh my goodness, our job's, you know, we just build up into this, this, this frenzy. I mean, it's amazing when we see the phone ring, how that can send us into some kind of panic because it's Christmas, right? We're trying to budget for the gifts. Budgets are a little tight around Christmas. I get that. And you get that call. Hey, the car needs work. How much work? You know, or it's Chris, you know, it's wintertime. The heater's out. Well, it's Texas. The AC could be out too. I mean, today we need the heat. Tomorrow we're going to need the AC. I don't know. So the HVAC system in the house has gone out and it's going to cost us $3,000 or $1,500. Or, or you see that phone call from the doctor's office and you're like, I was just in for a, just a typical routine checkup. Why are they calling me? And then we, we build this up. 
and we start to lean towards the negative. But this angel says, wait, hey, hold up. Don't be afraid. I have good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. I love that he came to the shepherd first. God chose to come to the shepherds first to make this birth announcement. Because what I've learned is the people that we least expect are often the people God chooses first. I mean, when we think about it, look around people, look around at people. Do we really expect God to do something in their life? This Wednesday night was a humbling experience. It was an incredible experience at Northbrook Elementary. And we look at, we, 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 it's easy for us to get into this mentality when people show up to get, pick up their, their gifts. Because what we try to do is we try to read ourselves into their story. And we have no idea how difficult their story is. I got to watch a, a single mom come rushing in after work. And at first, you, you start to think, well, does she not care that a church is providing Christmas for her and she's, she's not showing up? And she comes in and she's frantic and she said, I'm sorry, I just got off work. I had to work late tonight. And, 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 and it's amazing how God softens your heart in that situation because you think, man, how Christmas can be a frustration and a reminder of a lot of things of, I'm a single mom, and I'm the only one to take care of these kids. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm trying to pick up extra hours at work, but that comes at a cost. You're trying to make extra money, but it comes at a cost to the family. She's rushing home. You know, most of us get frustrated in the routine of getting the kids home and dealing with homework and, and dinner time and they don't like what I made and so I gotta figure out a way to get them to eat and then get, do bath and then go to bed and you just get in that grind. And, and then after the kids go to bed, uh, it was just amazing. God was just showing me how, how tough that can be. And I felt the Holy Spirit ask me, do you expect that I can do something incredible in her life? Heather and I were at a luncheon several weeks ago, and the topic of the luncheon was how to break the cycle of poverty in our community. And what it takes is an interruption in a routine that tries to keep people in that grind. And God uses the people we least expect because a lot of times we look to the government to be the interruption in that routine. That's not gonna take care of the issue, ladies and gentlemen. What it's gonna take is the people of God, the people that we look around and least expect. We look to the wealthy. Oh, well, we look to the people who have money in the church and they're gonna help us break this cycle of poverty. That's not where the help is gonna come from. It's from the people who have been in that cycle that have said, God delivered me out of this and you know what? I'm willing to step back in this with you to show you the exit to this maze that never seems to never have an end. Do we really expect when we look at people that God's gonna do something incredible in their life? He chose these shepherds. He didn't go to the religious elite. He didn't go to the religious establishment. He didn't go to the government to say, hey, the Messiah has been born and you need to broadcast this out across the nation. 
It's amazing how the people we least expect are the the ones that God loves to choose. I'm living proof of that. I never expected myself to even be a pastor, much less think anybody else thought I'd be a pastor. In the year 2000, if you would have told me I was going to be in ministry and plant a church, we would have had a very interesting, colorful conversation. I'm living proof that God can choose people that are least expected. But he chooses to work through us. And the angel says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. What you have happening here is this angel showing up to the shepherds, saying, I've given you great Good news of great joy, which is for all the people. If this news is for the shepherds, it's for everybody. If the gospel can change my life, it can change anybody's life. But what's interesting is you have one angel making the announcement, then all of a sudden there's, it says a host, the heavenly host joins them in praising God. Host, when you read the word host in, army, in, 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 in the Bible, it refers to armies, When you see the Lord of hosts, it's the Lord of the armies, the host of angels. These were warriors. These were the army of angels. And I think it's interesting how we see a glimpse into how battle is done in a spiritual realm. That these angels show up and they're the the army of God and they are worshiping God. It's amazing how worship can become an incredibly mighty weapon in our daily grind. Because we can get into this grind and we can think, oh man, there's just, there's all this stuff, it's overwhelming. Our routines can get overwhelming and our grind can blind. We can get blinded to what God's really doing. We can get blinded to what God's trying to do and we just get in this routine because we don't like interruptions. I'm the guy in our office that that I'm the interrupter because I, I have to talk to people. I've got to interact I can't just, I have a hard time sitting alone in my office for hours on end trying to work. I just get to a point where I go crazy. I start talking to myself and I've heard most of what myself has to say. So we we office out of our house and, and we office in different places in the community. We don't waste square footage at this facility to put a desk and books. I'd rather use that for classroom space where the gospel can be made clear. But Heather has an office in her house. I have an office in her house. And so I will wander out of my office after I'm done talking to myself and I will go to her, her room and I'll be like, hey, babe, what's up? And she knows what's coming. She knows I'm needing some interaction and, 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 and I'm just like, I gotta talk. I gotta process. I gotta, I gotta have somebody speak to me. I mean, I need some interaction. Heather's not that way. Heather is the type of person that could shut the door in an office and work all day and get all this, she can get all her checklist done. I mean, my checklist has to be interrupted by conversation. And so I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, well, I was working. (laughs) Because she knows when I come in, she's not gonna get a lot of work done. But I feel like I've accomplished a lot because I'm able to verbally process so many things. And she's like, this is an interruption. This is frustrating. This is a break in the grind for me. And and it's amazing how our grind can blind us. 
And we fail to stop and recognize what God is doing. We fail to stop and worship. I mean, I know life can be tough. I'm, I'm in the same life. I deal with the same routines and cycles. I have a job, I have a family, I have pressure, I have finances, I have responsibilities, I have all, all of these things, and I know how, how overwhelming that can get, but I also know the value of worship, that worship refocuses us on what's really going on, what this life is really all about, because God doesn't just save us to let us continue on this hamster wheel of a grind. He saves us for a purpose, and we've got to reconnect with that purpose, and worship helps us do that. When you're in the trial, can I, can I encourage you, worship through the trial. When life is difficult, worship through the difficulty. Do what these angels did. They worshiped in the glory of the king. So when you worship, you don't, you don't worship in the glory of your trial. You worship in the glory that the king, Jesus, the savior, Emmanuel, God with us, has overcome everything the world will ever throw at us. That leads us to worship. It's amazing how worship changes our perspective from an earthly problem to a heavenly solution, that it re, re, refocuses our look and our outlook on who's really in control and who's really in charge. I mean, so the shepherds get to witness this experience. And the, the angel said something interesting. The angel said, this will be a sign unto you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So when the angel had went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They didn't, they didn't say, okay, I'm gonna wait till the morning. They went. They said, I'm going. This becomes the priority. Jesus becomes the focus, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. The, the shepherds set out and the angel said, this will be a sign to you. Because I, I started thinking, why shepherds? Why not go to, to some other person? Because we tend to think, remember, because people, we, we expect to do it. We expect that they have the means to get the message out. Why the shepherds? I start thinking, the shepherds are tied down. They got sheep in the field. It's kind of like how some of you, you newlyweds feel when the baby comes along. Like, we used to be able to go out. Do you remember that thing called date night? But why the shepherds? And when you look at the shepherds, they, they knew how to care for something. They knew, to how to, they knew how to make sacrifices in order to protect. God's a shepherd. I mean, we read in one of the most quoted Psalms, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and we go on in that, like he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. But do we really ever stop and think the Lord is my shepherd? That the Lord knows how to care for me. That the Lord knows how to protect me. 
I mean, God is a shepherd. Jesus is referred to, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus also said, I'm a shepherd. In John chapter 10, he said, I'm the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Shepherds know how to sacrifice. But the shepherds decide, you know, we're gonna go, we're gonna go. And they begin to tell people about what they experienced. And people marveled at the shepherds like, how did you get this news? Shepherds have a voice. They have a network. Probably a lot of people in in Jerusalem and and Bethlehem and, and the surrounding countryside and the nation of Israel didn't have. It's like the different voices in our our culture. This is, a, this is a place where I have a voice, but if I went with you to work tomorrow, some of you are like, please, Jesus, don't let him go to work with me tomorrow. <laughs> hey, I'd like to come to work with you tomorrow. <laughs> it's bring your pastor to work day. I don't have the same voice in your workplace that you have. I don't have the same voice in your family that I have in my family. And God went to the people who knew they had a voice with people who could get this message to the people. An angel said, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So when they show up at the stable, they're looking for the sign. What's, 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 What's the deal with this sign? And I started wondering, why, why? why, why swaddling cloths? What's the meaning of all this? Where's this going? And, and I started doing some research. And in this time, this, the, the context of this society, these, these shepherds would have um, stables or birthing barns. Most of them would be caves where, when they would go into lambing season, that's where the lambs would be born. And they would have strips of cloth in the stable or in this place where the lambs are born. And these shepherds who were Jewish were watching for sacrificial lambs. They were watching for lambs that were to be sent to the temple for sacrifice. It would be a lamb without spot or blemish. It would be a lamb that that would be recognized as a sacrificial lamb. And what would happen when this lamb would be born, the way it was set apart is it would be wrapped in these things called swaddling cloths or swaddling strips. They would wrap this lamb And this lamb would be cared for in a different way because they knew that this lamb was born to die and this lamb was born to be a sacrifice. And the angel said, this will be a sign to you. See, the the shepherds would have recognized a sacrifice because when they walked into that place where Jesus was lying in a manger and they see him wrapped in swaddling cloths, here's what the shepherds know. That's a sacrificial lamb. This baby is born to be a sacrifice. This baby is a spotless lamb. This baby is gonna be sacrificed for the redemption of sin. Because a lot of us have a hard time recognizing God at work in our life. But these shepherds knew the sign. And all of these things, these ordinary things, God uses to do an extraordinary purpose. 
God uses the ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God uses ordinary strips of cloth that are hanging in a stable to wrap a sacrificial lamb. All of these things are ordinary things that give us a very extraordinary purpose. And I love that it says that, that Mary pondered these things in her heart. What could she have been thinking? Like, God, why did you choose me? I'm just, I'm ordinary. God chose Mary, a virgin, who, who had, he was showing favor to, to show that nothing is impossible with God. I believe God chose the shepherds in this because if this message is for the shepherds, it's for everybody. And here's what I believe, that you and I, you and I, I know a lot of times we come to church and we're like, where's the, where's the feel-good message? Help me feel better. Give me the pep talk for the week. Let me just help you something. We're all ordinary. We're ordinary people. But God does extraordinary things to ordinary people. At Northbrook on Wednesday night, I saw a bunch of us ordinary people loading gifts in a car. I saw over the last several weeks a bunch of us ordinary people bringing these green bags filled with stuff into the lobby. I saw a bunch of us ordinary people bringing brown paper sacks filled with food so that these kids have something to eat over Christmas break. And I see a bunch of us ordinary people that God's doing something extraordinary through. I got a glimpse of that extraordinary Wednesday night. I was standing off to the side kind of taking all this in. And there was a woman who was, had her trunk open and, and the car, her car was being loaded with gifts and food and, and she was so gracious. She was so grateful and thanking and saying, God bless you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. She closes the lid, she gets in her car and I happened to be down the way a little bit. She made it about 15 yards in that car and I saw her face. And I believe these are one of the snapshots that God lets me see that I want on my wall in my mansion in heaven. That this woman's face just broke. Because she realized that her ordinary everyday life, the grind of her life had been interrupted by God doing something extraordinary. That somebody noticed her and somebody cared enough to engage in her life. And I saw the extraordinary happen. This good news for great, of great joy for all people, if it's gonna make any difference in our church, if it's gonna make any difference in our community, if it's gonna transform lives, then it becomes something every one of us has to take on. The creek can't just be a place where a few people do ministry. And God has ministry for you. He has incredible, he has extraordinary ministry for you. So stop getting in this trap and this grind of thinking, well, I'm just, I'm just. I don't have this or I don't have that. I'm, I'm just this. I'm just a broken person. I'm just, I'm just a mom. I'm just a dad. I'm just somebody trying to survive life. I'm just somebody who's trying to figure out this Jesus thing on my own. Stop putting those limitations on yourself and let God do something extraordinary through you. Begin to recognize the sacrifice that God's made in your life and his name is Jesus and begin to recognize and start to tell. See, all the shepherds were asked to do was go worship and tell. Worship and tell. 
What is, what is your life about? Well, I worship God because he's the highest and he's the one with whom all glory is given and he's transformed my life. And I just, I start to tell about it. I mean, yeah, my life has a grind. My life has that daily routine. But you know what? There's an incredible God that is working in that daily routine and he's doing extraordinary things through my ordinary everyday, walking around, eating, sleeping, breathing life. And we have this opportunity. And there's a lot of times we get in this, this routine and we think, is this all there is? We're, we're Charlie Brown. Is this all there is? Can somebody please tell me what's going on? We'll start to ask God these questions. God, is this all there is to my life? Do you see my life, God? Do you see how hard it is? Do you see the struggle? Do you see that I'm, I'm trying to figure out this relationship with you? Why are you making this so difficult? God, do you see the struggles that my kids are going through? God, do you see this job? And if we'll stop long enough to listen, I believe we'll hear God ask us the same question. Do you see what I see? That even in the struggle, even in the mundane, even in the routine, even in the trying to figure things out, do you see what I see? Do you see the potential that I see? Do you see the ability that I see? Do you see the ministry that I stand ready to anoint you with? Do you see what I see? And a lot of us need to get to this place of hearing God ask us this question, do you see what I see? And then ask God, help me to see me the way you see me. Because when I start to think, is this all there is? Christmas is God's resounding answer. No, there is more. And with God, there's always more. Let me pray for us. I, I, I just feel like I need, to, I, need to, I need to ask this today. So with your, with your eyes closed and heads bowed, I just, today might be the day that some of you recognize the sacrifice of Jesus. Some of you may have recognized the love that God has for you. Some of you may be feeling that, that revelation of God speaking to you, saying, do you see what I see? And that can be overwhelming. And some of you, you may have grown up in church. You may have been around this Christmas story all of your life, that there were shepherds abiding in the fields, and an angel comes and tells them about Jesus, and they go and worship. And it just becomes part of a mundane, routine Christmas tradition and Christmas story. And today, God broke that routine. And maybe today's a day that you, you might have been away from this for a while, but God's calling you to recommit your life to him and rededicate all of your ordinary self to his extraordinary purpose. You may have walked in here this morning thinking you were the one you'd least expect God to speak to, but he spoke to you. Some of you, it's time, this is the time to recommit your life. To say, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm recommitting my life to you and I want my life to be used for your purpose. And Jesus, I'm asking you to break the grind of my life. Restore to me the joy of your salvation.
For some of you, you've never made that decision in your life. You've never made that commitment. And maybe today's the first time that you realize you're loved and that God has broken in not just to human history, but into your history. today for you to make that commitment to say Jesus I receive you as Savior change me and save me with your amazing grace help me to see me the way you see me if you've prayed this morning either recommit your life or or commit your life for the first time I want to challenge you I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you but I want you to come and see our prayer team at the end of this service and here's, here, I'll give you a safe word for the altar. I found more. It's not all there is. I found more. And we want to walk with you. Father, we thank you for interrupting history. We thank you for interrupting the grind. We thank you for interrupting our even daily routines, our Christmas routines, all of these things that we just find ourselves in that are missing your glory. And I just pray that you open our eyes when we feel the frustration of Christmas God I pray that you refocus us and let this word that you have ministered to us with be a sign unto us we love you we praise you we thank you for your grace and love and sacrifice through the name of Jesus Amen Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at thecreekfw.com.